This is Terms of Reference. I'm your host, Stephen Laddick. Fasahat Hassan is the founder and current chairperson of the Youth Advocacy Network, a national-level youth-led democratic and volunteer-driven organization in Pakistan with more than 1,500 members across the country. Fasahat recently received the prestigious Youth Excellence Award from the President of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan for his work with young people. He also chaired the first youth-led regional-level conference for youth in 2014 and has represented Pakistan and his region in multiple other venues. Fasahat is also a regional council member of Rahnuma and the national focal point for the Global Youth Coalition on HIV-AIDS. I spoke with Fasahat in Lahore, Pakistan. Hi there, Fasahat. Thank you so much for being on the Terms of Reference podcast today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you so much for taking me. Um, tell me, where, where are we calling you today? Yeah, I'm located in Lahore, Pakistan. In Lahore, okay. I hope that the weather's nice in Lahore today. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, but it's hot. So, Fasahat, tell me, what is it that you do? What's your job title? What, what is it that you do every day for the Youth Advocacy Network? Uh, well, uh, currently I'm uh, serving as a uh, chairperson, uh, chairperson of the board of the organization. Uh, this is my second tenure, and uh, I will be. I mostly work on the on the proposal writing and uh, on the monitoring and evaluation, as well as on the project implementation plans. And also uh, work with my team who are working on the different projects at field level as well as at advocacy level. So tell me what what is it that the Youth Advocacy Network does? What's the mission? What's the goal of the organization? Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, Youth Advocacy Network envisions uh, the meaningful youth participation or the partnership of young people at policy level in all youth-related policies and programs in Pakistan. Give me an like example really of something that you're... Yeah. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah. Give, me, give me an example of a particular policy or particular area that, that you're working in or being an advocate for right now. Yeah, uh, currently we are focusing on, uh, on uh, three major areas. Uh, one is uh, health second is education and third is the population because currently in pakistan uh, the young young uh, population uh, 0 to 29 like we we uh, take the child, child adolescent and young people together uh, they are more than 64% of the total population so when when we are the young people are in majority so their voices should be heard at the policy level when the policy makers and the parliamentarians are going to decide something for the for the population you know what I mean. So that is the most important point for us. And we successfully uh, had our voices being heard in the uh, youth policy that happened uh, in 2012. And we are, we are very proud to say that Youth Advocacy Network contributed very positively in all the uh, youth policy that, that is for the state level youth policy in, Paki in Punjab, Pakistan. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Fasahat, I understand that you recently received an award from the president of Pakistan. Um, tell us how that came to be and what you were recognized for. Yeah, uh, yeah this award was actually uh, uh, awarded to me with a very long and very lengthy process. This award was the Youth Excellence Award under the category of uh, uh, Entrepreneurship and Humanitarian Work with the Young People in Pakistan. This ceremony uh, held in uh, Islamabad at President House on uh, 12th of August on the International Youth Day. So it was really an honor for me and for my organization, of course, uh, that the president uh, and the organizers uh, recognized me as one of the youth leaders in Pakistan 
who achieved this award uh, like after so long time. Congratulations, that's a fantastic award to receive. How, how large is the network? How large is the network that you're working with um, to have that voice? Uh, we have representation from all over Pakistan, from all pockets of Pakistan, because currently Pakistan have four states and uh, three uh, federally as administrative areas, which is Azad Kashmir, uh, Fata and Gilgul Baltistan. So we have representation from all over Pakistan. We have more than uh, 1,500 members currently. And uh, uh, we have board board of uh, from all over Pakistan. Like we have two members from each chapter because we name the chapters, not the provinces. So we have two members from each chapter equally uh, with gender balance. And we recently have uh, a transgender in our board so that we can also involve and take their voices in the in the organization at least. That's very, very forward-looking for Pakistan, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because we, we learned many things uh, during uh, since we are working in Pakistan. We, uh, like at first level, we were only working with young people on the sexual reproductive health rights. And then, uh, like slowly, our board decided to not only focus on the sexual reproductive health rights, but also uh, related issues who are affecting the health of the young people. So then, like, uh, uh, slowly, but... Uh, progressively, we were taking steps ahead to make sure that young people, particularly in Youth Advocacy Network, are learning and progressing and moving forward. And, and how do you determine these strategic directions of the organization? You said you started with uh, sexual education, sexual health, these types of things. What was the reason for starting there? And, and at what moment or what, you know, what made you aware that you needed to either expand or change directions? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Actually, we started this network uh, because I'm the founder member. Uh, we started in 2005. Uh, there was a workshop actually going on on sexual reproductive health rights in 2005 when I was uh, about 16 years old. So there was a discussion at the end of the workshop that how we can work with the young people and all that. And then I started that why not, why we, why not we should go for a youth group that, that focus on the sexual reproductive health rights of young people because at that time, uh, like it's it's about about 10 years now so 10 years back there was not such organizations who were working for or working with the young people on sexual reproductive health rights in Pakistan uh, solely so uh, like after some discussions we come up with an idea that uh, we should go for the for for a youth organization or a youth group uh, we worked as a youth group till 2010 like for five years we were working uh, as a youth group in Pakistan uh, with with different young people from all pockets of Pakistan is, on is the sexual health right is that a, is that a specific designation is it a legal des designation or is that just no no till 2010 till 2010 we were not registered we were just a youth group okay but so you're just in a group of youth okay yeah, but in 2010, our governing, we, we, we decided to be a proper uh, youth organization so that we can work legally. So we, we registered Youth Advocacy Network as a youth-led organization. Uh, and we have had now a governing board, as I, as I shared with you earlier. So in 2010, we again discussed our vision and mission. Because before that, we were only focusing on sexual reproductive health rights of young people. But in 2010, you know, all this war and terror that is happening in Afghanistan, which is affecting young people here in Pakistan as well. So we discussed that why, why not we should go other uh, issues of really uh, the issues of young people, not only sexual reproductive health rights. So in 2010, uh, from 2010 to 2012, we this was the transition period, you can say. 
from where in that in that era we actually move from uh, sexual reproductive health to a larger issues of young people in Pakistan. And no doubt, currently the SRHR or sexual reproductive health is one of the core areas of youth advocacy network. But now we are also working on democracy as well as on uh, human rights. Mm. How did you, as a 16-year-old in Lahore, uh, come to this first workshop on sexual reproductive rights? What was was it? Just something you were interested in? Was it? Did your parents have you go? What? Why, why did you show up there? Yeah, actually, uh, there is a background uh, because I was I started working as a as a volunteer or as a peer educator with uh, an organization named uh, AIDS Awareness Society in 2000 when I was in school. So this organization came to my school who just gave us a lecture that uh, like you know HIV AIDS is a disease and we should be careful about that. It was just an awareness session, and they they selected about ten uh, people from my class and I was one of them. Who, whom they gave a training and like I started working with them as a volunteer for further awareness with young people on HIV and AIDS. So this uh, workshop was announced by an international organization named uh, Redgas WPF now, which was at that time uh, World Population Foundation. So they announced a call for participation. So I applied for that and I, I got selected. What has been, you know, the, the, during those first five years when you were starting to grow this youth group? And before you decided to become an edu- an official organization, mm-hmm. what was your biggest challenge? Because you were talking about a topic that is not, you know, necessarily open in your society. Exactly, exactly. That is very again interesting question. Actually, within our group, like uh, you know, uh, if I am talking to my my friends, my peers, so uh, it is not a very big deal that we are talking about sexual reproductive health rights of young people. But yes, when we go to some uh, some like some institute and we have to convince some uh, kind of elders or the decision making who are sitting at the uh, at the high level, so then there was a problem. But uh, uh, strategically, we have been involving different organizations and different elders who are uh, uh, who who believe in the in uh, as who believe in the rights or the rights or, or who have the rights based approach. So we involve them at first level, and we get. their recommendation that how we can involve the elders you know it, it, that all was the advocacy uh, uh, tools that we we were working on or we were getting from different organizations or elders so through that strategy we were actually working on the with the uh, students in the universities in the colleges and whenever we feel uh, some kind of difficulties we always contact those elders who are uh, who are supporting to us or still they are supporting to us in terms of sexual reproductive health rights So this was a big sport uh, from 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 some of the organizations and some of some individuals. Uh, secondly, uh, there was another big uh, big challenge uh, that was uh, the dropout of the young people. For example, we had a very good team uh, in the beginning, and some of them then get married, you know, and then they left for their own jobs and for their own homes, you know. So it was also a challenge for us at that time. Even even sometimes now that. some like the people who are really working hard in the organization and they have to leave for some reasons you know it's a volunteer based organization we have not like big office or not big uh, account like big budgets so it is sometimes difficult for us to uh, to make sure that we have right person at the right positions so this is another big challenge that we have faced 
And how have you overcome the specifically that second one of retaining interested people? Has that become easier as you became an official organization and have a budget, or is that still your number one problem? Yeah, it is still a problem, but it's not a very big problem now because now we have uh, some committed people who are working with us. Uh, but again, it's a risk again. Like you never know when they will get some better job or better. Uh, 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 opportunity and they have to leave you know you can't just uh, uh, strict people just on the basis of on the volunteer work you know uh, so it is it is still one of the big problem but now because we have some of the uh, diff- some different projects that are going on so we have now uh, the second line for example now we have some people who are working with us but they are not working as closely as the other people are so now we have at least second line uh, line for the for the for the people who might go in like in future or like definitely being a youth you have to leave one day mm, absolutely i understand um, tell me about a time when uh, over the last 5 years you have been advocating for a policy or working in a place and you failed um you know that you you just weren't successful and what did you do about it uh, so far uh, yeah there was uh, a meeting uh, that was going on in uh, in the punjab assembly actually it is a legislative uh, assembly where i was representing young people uh, yeah there was a point when uh, i was just trying uh, trying to make sure that uh, the rights of young people or the life skills based education should be included in the education uh, curriculum so at that time because uh, there was only three or four young people who were in the committee and rest of the people were from the bureaucracy and from the parliamentarians so at that time i feel that we should have some you know it was it was the point when i feel that i'm not uh, i'm not getting response as they should be mm. because i was not talking something uh, something which is not in our society you know so yeah at that time i feel like there was two three meetings in which i feel that there should be some different strategy to advocate for the rights to these people particularly so that was the time okay and this is i'm talking about 2010 okay tell me you, you said that one of your major jobs is fundraising tell me how how you go about fundraising is it proposal development are you going and knocking on the doors of corporations for for donations um where do you get your funds and how do you go about it yeah it's more uh, mostly it's uh, it's about the uh, proposal writing uh, in terms of like donor agencies that we have in the sector social sector uh, but recently we have started uh, contacting to the corporate sector as well but because i am not uh, very expert in that so we are trying to get some uh, young people from uh, from the marketing side so that they can help us how to how to engage or uh, convince the uh, multinational or corporations and how do you learn about proposal opportunities or these opportunities that are posted locally or is it simply you find them online or does somebody call you and say hey you know we'd like to get a proposal from you yeah yeah it's it's actually three like in in always sometimes uh, we we get calls from the people who knows us and they know how we are working here in pakistan so they simply call to us and say hey this is the opportunity that we we can see that you people can avail it as you are working on that so we write to them second is like online of course we see online as unoc was one of them that i see online and we applied for that and uh, yes sometimes we uh, we get opportunities through some some colleagues who share with us that this is the opportunity that you can apply for how do you you know divide up your day you're you're a 
on the, the board of directors, you are doing fundraising, you're overseeing programs and administering. Do you do all of those things every day or do you divide your week up or what's a, what's a typical day look like? Uh, yeah, uh, the board is actually that we have two meetings in a year. So like we have to only work uh, one week before the board meeting in which we, we discuss that we are what we are going to do. So it is not a very big deal in the in like the board meeting because we have to only share our progress and what we are doing and what we can do in future or what we need to uh, discuss further. So it is only like twice uh, twice in a year. Uh, well, uh, the most uh, difficult task you can say or the most busiest task is uh, the fundraising because uh, you have to have some uh, always some ideas to to give to the uh, donors that what we, what you can do different. You know, uh, so like most of the time we do, uh, I do proposal writing or, and the monitoring and evaluation. Monitoring, like what's what's going on or what kind of activity is going on. And is monitoring and evaluation, is that only of your programs or is that also monitoring uh, policy movements and, you know, what's going on in the government? Uh, no, yeah. Monitoring, I mean, uh, monitoring means it's not the activities that's going on, but it's programs. Like, for example, uh, we had recently the, this uh, regional level South Asian Youth Conference. So uh, I was more uh, uh, more uh, was looking on the on the uh, that how we are going to talk to the governments, how we are going to talk to the UN, how we are going to talk to the uh, to the partner organizations in the region, or how we are going to come up with the South Asian Regional Youth Declaration that we came up with after the conference. So. It's more about like strategic level or the policy level. Mm. Going back to you know when you were 16 and you went to that first meeting, was this something that you had always planned on doing, or did you, uh, you know, was it just because that opportunity happened to present itself where you got the got the award and you were awarded to, to go to this meeting, or were you always set on being a community activist? Yeah, I think it was it was uh, uh, it was not only that that opportunity because I have been working when we get that uh, as I shared there was an organization who came to my school and they gave us a lecture so after that lecture I think uh, when they share with us that how we can we, we are working and how we can move forward so even from the same day I started discussing with my friends that how we can work at our at our uh, you know uh, constituency at our street level. How young people we can sit together and discuss that how we can do the positive things in our in our society or at least in our street where we are living. So I think, and we we have even formed a very informal group uh, at that time. I can remember it's it was 2001 to 2003, like for three years when I was in school. So we have. Uh, we had a youth group of like very informal uh, when we sit together and we discuss sometime uh, the what government is doing or sometime we discuss that uh, how uh, our uh, you know uh, the uh, councillors or the local governments are working or doing the uh, developmental work and how we should uh, cooperate with them so it was it was mostly about that so it was not the opportunity so actually i was working on this kind of work before that as you've been going along, you've, you've been doing this for a decade now. Is there a particular mm-hmm. story you like to tell about when you were successful? You, you told us in the beginning about the policy success that you had earlier. But I'm thinking more on you know, a very local or uh, you know, community level. Is, are there success, is there a success story that you like to tell to people about how yes. you affected you know, one youth or a family or something like that? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Actually, there were. It is uh, uh, 2004, uh, right after my matriculation, like after my school. Uh, we actually uh, discussed with the madrasa student. You may know the madrasa where the religious education, uh, uh, the students get the religious education in Pakistan. So we named it madrasa. So uh, I discussed with the madrasa and we uh, uh, we agreed that we are going to give a lecture to the madrasa students on HIV and AIDS. Uh, so at the moment, uh, the teacher agreed that, okay, you, you people can come and discuss with the students. But uh, on the same day, when when we went with with my team to the uh, to the madrasa that uh, we came here for the for that discussion, so they totally refused us that you you just mm-hmm. can't you just can't uh, have that session because it's not our issue. It's the issue of West. It's not our like you know what I mean. Like people think that it's only the issue of the societies who are very open. Uh, so we, uh, I, because my father is a school teacher, and also as I discussed, uh, uh, we have also uh, some adults on board as advisors who support us in different levels. So I talked to my father at that time, and I asked him that this is the situation. Now we are ready. We have some even guests from the organization who are who, who came here to see that how we are working. So it's very embarrassing for me. So my father came and he discussed with the with the with the uh, kind of head teacher who who was leading that. So finally, after my father's interventions, uh, they agreed. Okay, fine. These people, these youth, can have only 30 minutes and they can discuss whatever they can. So it was uh, like one of the strategies that we learned uh, in the very beginning that how we need to use the right people at right time. And we can get success uh, in particular issues, even if it's not uh, very easy. That's fantastic. So you're not only responsible for proposal writing and, and running the programs, but you also have to make sure that the, you know, your organization continues to function. So mm-hmm. are there tools that you use to manage programs, or are there tools that you use to do your bookkeeping um, that you have found are particularly effective? Well, uh, yes, of course, we have some uh, kind of, uh, that as I discussed, that we always uh, discuss uh, tools and the strategies uh, in our board meetings. So it, uh, like, we change it accordingly. For example, uh, for policy advocacy, uh, we have, we, we always uh, decide in the board meeting that what we are going to do in the next, next years, uh, in, in next years, like five years kind of strategic plans we have or we have some policies uh, the organizational policies uh, which which we always follow to to uh, to implement our programs so these are the some tools that we we use to make sure that organization is functioning correctly what about um, just you know your simple day-to-day business do you do you guys maintain a bookkeeper do you um, you know do payroll do you do you have that kind of complexity right now, or is that something that you're still working towards? Uh, uh, not day to day. Yeah, that's true. That we are not uh, like keeping everything like day to day. The parts we are going day to day. But yes, we always report uh, the people who are working in the organization. They report, for example, uh, on the particular projects that we that that are going on. So reports are there, but not daily daily uh, book notes that we are discussing currently within the organization that we should have uh, something daily basis. Uh, notes or the reports or something like that, mm-hmm. but notes yet we are following. And how? What's your major method of communication? Is it physical face-to-face interaction, or are you guys SMSing back and forth? Do you use 
instant message, email? What's what's the way that you keep things moving in your organization? Yeah, most of the time it's uh, it's the phone calls uh, or the SMS, uh, and second is the email uh, because uh, all the uh, all the board members and some of the staff members are not in the same place. Like they work in some other cities as well. So usually we 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 use the phone call or the SMS for 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 the routine communications. What does the next five years look like for you as a person, as as you're as a professional? You've been working for the Youth Advocacy Network for you know well more than ten years now. What is what what do you see yourself doing in five years? Are you still working for them, or are you moving on to something else? Yeah, uh, well, my my objective or my you can say my vision is to of course move forward because I really want to give this opportunity to some other people as well. Uh, but uh, but I would I would stay here till I uh, like we would find some uh, some real real energetic person who can replace me. Uh, and I see myself like uh, working at. Uh, uh, might be in the government or at the UN level that I see myself in the next five years. Is there a particular path within the government or within the UN that, that you think is appropriate for you? Well, uh, because I am a very uh, uh, kind of uh, social social person, so I really feel that uh, you can change when you are in the system. So the system that I can find is the, is the two major systems. One is the government and second is the uh, UN. Yeah, in the government, like uh, there are different ways. Like you can, uh, I can go as a bureaucrat because I am still young and I can apply for that. Uh, like I can uh, go to the uh, to the uh, to, as a, uh, like I can work as a bureaucrat and I can I can be some of the policymakers and then I can change uh, whatever we want. And secondly, like in the UN, uh, definitely there is another way to apply in the UN. And like you know, when I am working and people knows here in Pakistan that I am working, so like. There is some links that we have already in the UN. So at least on on the basis of my experience and the education, because my education is also in the same sector. Is there a particular tool that you use or a particular technique that you use to manage programs? Yeah, actually it is according to the, again, it depends on the program. Uh, sometimes we just go to the community and we talk to one person to another person and we, we get some right person sometimes. But most of the time we go uh, from the upside. For example, we go through some member of the parliament or we go through some of the some of our friend who lives there or like, you know, uh, like some right, some correct person, contact person uh, in particular area. We, we usually go through that that way, not directly. We go in the community. And, and and so give me an example of a particular program you're working on right now about how you would keep track of the individuals you're you're talking to and you know the types of responses you're getting and how you use that in your advocacy work uh, yes we uh, we uh, we acknowledge the people who who, who are supporting us in, in for example uh, recently we have uh, we organized a Saudi regional youth conference and uh, at the moment uh, like in the last moments, like in the last month of when we were like only one month behind, we we were even thinking that we should postpone it because we were not having enough funds. But again, our uh, our strategy to having the right contacts with us it, it helped us a lot. So we we contacted to uh, to the university, one of the university whom we were working before in one of the one of our projects. So they agreed that okay we can. We can give you free the hall, free food, and free uh, some 
some other facilities like uh, you don't have to pay for the electricity or some other some other facilities so then uh, and on the other part we again uh, engaged the government who supported us in terms of uh, in terms of uh, hoteling in terms of some other uh, like they organized uh, uh, the culture night for us they organized some of the dinners for the international participants so we organized in such a way that that we used right people at the right places so we we then recognize and acknowledge them in our events for example uh, some of them are in our advisory board uh, whom we have like for example we have some of the parliamentarians who are really supporting us and some people from the organization who's always support us so we take them uh, uh, on board as a as a advisors who like we always go to them and ask them uh, what do you suggest to us how we should go for that mm-hmm. and then we come to our board like who are the right decision making body so like in 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 other way for example the people who are not in, a, in our advisory board we acknowledge them in our events we 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 invite them as a guest or like they they share their stories that why they support the young people so we have different strategies to acknowledge so that they they can still con- connect it to us and support to us or support to the young people two more questions for you first mm-hmm. youth advocacy is a powerful and energetic topic that you find in many different countries, many different regions. How are mm-hmm. you connecting with other youth organizations or other movements uh, around the world? It, 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 how do you reach out and how do you stay connected? I would say luckily uh, uh, we have been getting uh, right people uh, even in the past as well. Uh, so uh, we are in contact with with some of the people who are working in the east asia in the europe and in the us even uh, we were the only organization who represented in a global youth forum that happened in 2012 2012 in bali where all the youth movements came together uh, in the bali uh, in collaboration with the united nations uh, and we discussed a lot of uh, future strategies that how we can move forward and this south asian israel youth conference was one of them and uh, and this even this even in this conference we involved all the youth movements and the youth led organizations from the region who can support us and particularly in pakistan youth advocacy network and particularly myself i have a vision that that we really need to gather or we need to connect it to be connected as a youth organization in pakistan so that we can uh, make our voices more effective at the policy level my final question for you sahat is you work with youth every day and you have been able to successfully create an organization that's been effective uh, in this community engagement and development work what advice do you give to the young people who work with you or to people that you come in contact with who say gosh i'd really like to be a community activist or i'd really like to be a development worker what's your critical advice to them about how to get started and how to be successful yeah it's very simple if you believe in something from heart you just have to start you just you just don't need to wait for other people who will come and who will support you and then we'll start when you will start you will see the difference you will see the people are supporting you you will see the organizations are supporting you and you will see that you are supporting yourself so the first very important step is that you have to believe in that what you are going to do that is the first step and second step is then you have to start you are the only person who can do that if you would not think like that you would you you even cannot even like you cannot start even 
सो फर्स्ट स्टेप इज यू हैव टू बिलीव इन सेकेंड इज यू हैव टू स्टार्ट बाई योर सेल्फ एंड थर्ड वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट यू हैव टू टेक ऑन बोर्ड यू हैव टू हैव ए टीम यू हैव टू हैव ए कोलीग्स यू हैव टू हैव द राइट पर्सन एट राइट प्लेसेज दीज आर द थ्री की स्टेप्स दैट आई हैव लर्न ड्यूरिंग माई माई एक्सपीरियंसिस थैंक यू सो मच फॉर टेकिंग द टाइम टू स्पीक थैंक यू सो मच You've been listening to Terms of Reference, a weekly podcast from aidpreneur.com. Find us on iTunes or at www.aidpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.